Hello there, ladies and gents. This is Todd Stewart, and welcome back to another episode of In The Know, a dispatch-powered podcast dedicated to highlighting the individuals and companies who create memorable, long-lasting customer experiences. Today, it is my job to pick apart the tactics, mindsets, and actions to fully understand how today's guest creates better customer experiences. Say hello to Kristen Kraft, the VP of Marketing and Business Development at Ovia Health, the leading maternity benefits program. Kristen has over a decade of experience working for companies like Kaplan, the Parthenon Group, Transparent Language, Wistia, and now Ovia Health. Kristen received her BA from Brown, her master's in education from Harvard University, and her MBA from MIT Sloan. Today, we cover all things customer experience and how her and her team at Ovia Health always make their decisions with the customer in mind. So grab a pen, grab some paper, and please enjoy this very insightful conversation with today's guest, Kristen Kraft. Welcome. How's everything going? Great. Yeah. Um, so we are actually on site today with Kristen Kraft, VP of Marketing here at Ovia Health. Um, we are talking about customer experience. I think this is a exciting topic. A lot of the people that, that we've been speaking with have had some great ideas. They've had some great stories about how they and their company approach customer experience. But I'm real pumped to hear how you and Ovia Health think about it. But first, I want to know something outside of the professional world, like like what makes Kristen Kraft awesome? What's something we don't know about you? Okay, so this is a little weird, but um, I like love literature. That that's not the weird part. Um, I love literature. I am reading constantly. Like I think on average, I probably read like one or two books a week, um, or listen to them. And a few years ago, actually, probably while now, um, I decided I wanted to read the entire Modern Library's list of 100 best books written in English. Um, this is a list of 100 works of fiction. Um, many of them are ones that you would have heard of, of course, like Great Expectations, and others are really random ones that no one ever talks about anymore, like Tobacco Road, for mm. example. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like I really wanted to have that um, foundation of knowledge and have read all these books. So I decided to start chipping away at this list. And at this point, I'm probably around number like 93, oh, I wow. want to say. Right in the home stretch. Yeah, I know. I'm in the home stretch. But now I'm left with like the really long ones or the. What, what are they? Like, ugh, God. like Moby Dick? Um, weirdly, I think Moby Dick's not on there. Really? Um, but yeah, we all read in school. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's, um, a, that's a long one. There are a few, though, that are. Um, either trilogies or even quartets. So there's one called the Alexandria Quartet, which is like thousands of pages long and is supposedly a great, you know, body of work, but somehow reading, like, first of all, it feels like a cheat that that counts as one. And yeah. it just feels yeah. very daunting to, you know, venture out on, you know, a 1500 page reading extravaganza. So if, if we brought you back on the show, when can we check in when you'll be done oh, that you can God. give us the whole synopsis of everything? Well, a year ago, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm in the home stretch. I'm going to finish this within the next year. And I totally have fallen short of that goal. So uh, I'm tempted to say like a year from now, nice. but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll check in. Okay. We'll give the update. Deal. All right. So shifting gears, customer experience. So at Ovia Health, what does customer experience mean to the company itself and and how do you you know as as the leader here in the marketing team how, how do you think about it yeah so my general philosophy is that a great experience happens when you can tap into the things that motivate people. And people in general tend to be motivated by two things 
predominantly. The things that cause them pain and the things that get them really fired up, like opportunities they want to jump on. And so for a company like ours, we actually tap into both of those things really well. So, you know, we make a number of different mobile apps around fertility, pregnancy, and parenting. And then we also um, work with large employers to sell maternity benefits, basically benefits that help women and families have healthier, happier pregnancies and ultimately ideally, lead to better health outcomes for the parent and the child. Um, so if you think about the kind of experiences or the the sorts of things that people are feeling when they're approaching these different situations, like these tap into those pain points and those exciting opportunities really nicely. Like having a child, having a family for so many people, that is the thing that they are really, really excited about, you know, X number of years after they get married or, you know, even before they get married. Mm-hmm. So being able to assist them in going after and and doing that thing that they've maybe been thinking about for years and years is really, really exciting. And we are able to give them a great experience because we're tying in right when they're trying to do this thing and we're enabling them to do it more quickly, more easily, more naturally um, in a more positive, upbeat way. And then conversely, um, on the maternity benefits space, what, what I've learned recently is that a lot of large employers, most large employers are actually self-insuring their employee base, which is super expensive. Mm-hmm. And when you tend to look at a typical... Is that a new shift? Um, I think it's changed over time or that it has been shifting over time just because insurance rates have been going up so dramatically. Yep. Yep. So um, if you look at the kinds of expenses that a lot of large employers are um covering from a health perspective, maternity and prenatal care, and even, you know, after the baby's born, those kinds of things end up being a huge cost driver for them. So, um, you know, that's a pain point example that we are seeking to solve for them, or at least help reduce. Um, So, you know, back to that customer experience question, if they are saying, oh my God, I'm struggling with this pain point, maternity costs are a huge driver for us, but we of course want to support our workforce and make sure we're supporting and retaining our top female talent, um, but help us reduce this. And we're able to swoop in, educate their employees, help them have better outcomes, help them have lower costs, you know, and do it all like with a friendly smile and make sure that we are doing it with attention to detail about how their employee base behaves and what they're truly looking for. Um, You know, I think right there, like that's the kind of customer experience we want to give people. So you mentioned something interesting. You said the, the pain points. Like it's it's all about finding sort of the pain points of the customer and then you can address those pain points. And I do think that that's a really important part of creating that memorable experience, because if you can alleviate those, then it's just it's clear sailing. Yeah. So how do you go out and find what those pain points are? Uh, A lot of employers are actually very willing to share this kind of information. I mean, they know that by pairing up with different benefits providers their pain points are going to be solved. So oftentimes they're very forthcoming with that data. And it's not as though that data is is personal in any way. Like they're sharing this sort of the big picture, big data out like outcomes and cost drivers. It's not like they're saying like this particular person had a $1 million pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're pretty open with that data usually and with that pain point. On a scale of one to 10, Ovia Health, where do you rank customer experience is all the way to the top, is all the way to the bottom, is right in the middle. Oh, for us, I, I think in this particular industry, it's a 10. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I guess my personal 
um, stance on this is that customer experience is your brand, that the kind of experience you give to people, that's what they're going to remember. Like if you ask somebody a year later about their experience staying at a hotel or whatever, like they're not going to be able to tell you how much that hotel cost. That is not a very important part of the brand. But if, you know, if they mention what it felt like to stay there, what it felt like to check in, I think that is going to be the those are going to be the things they talk about when they talk about the brand and their opinion of that brand. So the reason that is so important for us is, you know, we have a really important job um, in in representing our brand when it comes to the experience that women and families are having with us, those people who are app users, um, as well as the experience that employers are having with us. And, um, you know, word of mouth in both cases is super important for us. Like so many women tell their friends, oh my God, like you're pregnant, you have to download this app immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's like a testament to the strength of the product and to the brand of the, the experience itself. So what I think is is interesting is with Ovia Health and, and there are a lot of communication touch points that you guys have with your customers. And for other companies out there that say, wow, like, how in the world do we wrangle all of these touch points? And then how do we monitor each touch point to say, yeah, this is this is something that's great. We like this experience. This is something that mm, we can improve in a little bit. Like, how do you go about figuring out that world and then measuring it and then refining it? Yeah, well, we're pretty fortunate because we have the most amazing product team and engineering team um, and, and data folks here. So in terms of those different touch points, like we have an absurd amount of data. We have, um, you know, app users who are extremely, extremely engaged with the product, um, many of whom are going into the app multiple times per day, every single day. So um, just having access to those data points and that volume of data helps us understand so much better about how people want to interact with us. And as far as Ovia Health, how do you sort of promote that customer experience? Uh, so I think the biggest thing that we tend to think about um, is that the customer experience really needs to be highly personalized. So, um, you know, for a woman who's trying to conceive, like she doesn't want to be told, like on average, it tends to take women about like X number of months because if that number is longer than she's been trying, like that feels crummy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's not personal. Yeah. yeah. And like, who cares? Like, what does it matter what the average is? Like, what matters is your experience and how long it takes you. Um, and I guess like one other interesting tidbit that I've learned recently is there are very few people, very few women who have a quote normal cycle. Like I think everybody talks about this 28 day cycle, but that's really a fallacy. Like most women do not have that. Um, you know, for some women, it's like 22 days for some, it's like 90. I mean, the variation there is, is tremendous. You know, women want a really personalized targeted, um, you know, experience and they want information that is personalized to them. And I think the really cool thing is that at this point, computers and algorithms can do incredible, incredible work to give folks a more personal experience. So, you know, if we can give a woman much better guidance about when she is most likely to conceive that is based on her unique characteristics and on her body, um, automatically that's going to make for a better customer experience because we're not taking like a one size fits all approach. So for the company itself, the more companies that I talk to, the more individuals within a company, and I say, who is really in charge? Like customer experience seems like, like you said, 
your brand is your customer experience, your customer experience is your brand. Who within the company is responsible for this? Uh, so it's funny, we've been actually talking about that a lot internally recently. And on the one hand, I agree with our chief medical officer who said recently, you know, customer experience and, and customer success is a company-wide mindset. You know, it's not necessarily a role. It's not necessarily a team. It's a mindset. And we all have to get beyond, behind that mindset. And I agree completely. Um, I think that stance is not mutually exclusive with having somebody who is in charge of customer success. And I, I think he he feels that way as well. Um, so I love the idea of having a directly responsible individual. I think, you know, anytime it's not clear who the owner of something is, um, that thing is much more likely to fall through the cracks or, you know, cut, run into trouble. Um, so ideally, I, I like to see organizations that consider this a company-wide mindset and where everybody is is thinking about the success and the experience of the individual, but also where there's one person who's in charge of really like rallying the troops and, and you know, their, their neck is on the line to make sure that experience is phenomenal. Now, it seems like you guys have that mindset for everywhere. Like you try to promote that within the company. How do you do that? I think that's that's kind of tough to change the mindset of one individual, let alone an entire company. How do you guys approach that? Yeah, uh, I think it comes across in ways large and small. Um, and probably it's actually just the um, sum of all those 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 moments that remind everybody, hey, the customer comes first and that experience has to come first. So, for example, um, at our monthly happy hour, we've started doing this thing where people can share, you know, a story of somebody who you know, they know of or have run into who's had a terrific experience with our products or services. And I think that, you know, taking that, carving the time out of those monthly meetings, like company-wide meetings to talk about that, that is a signal, a really important signal that we value that experience above all else. Um, you know, additionally, I think everyone in the company gets an email every single day of the reviews that are left in the app store um, about our product. So again, just a, you know, a, a visual reminder, mm -hmm. something in your inbox every day that this is really important. That is why you are getting this every single day, why everyone in the company is getting this every single day. Yeah. And it's not, you're not coming to work every day for yourself. You're coming to work for the people who are using your app. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Off air, this was in our pre-call. I, I asked you, I said, what does customer experience mean to you and your company? And you actually, you said something really interesting. You said this three word cadence and I loved it. You said personalized, responsive, and trustworthy. And so I wrote that down. I thought about it. I thought it was, I, I loved it. And I actually, I, I have this story that kind of highlights this. So the other day, I don't know if you've received this. Are you a Spotify listener? I am. So did you receive the like in your year review? I don't email? think I did. It was very cool. So I, I am a... Uh, I'm closet till now, but I'll let everybody know. I'm a huge Mumford & Sons fan. And I, I was not blown away at the fact that they were my number one listen to song once I plugged in my username to this email and, and I like I filled the whole form out. I was like, oh, I want to see, see what my data sheet is, this dashboard for, for my listening on Spotify. And Mumford & Sons was like tens of thousands more than yeah. the number one. And, and, and to, <laughs> Everybody else that might sound pathetic, I think that's more like dedication on my totally. end, yeah, to the band. Like I, they're awesome. But in the email itself, this is what I I loved. This is it had a photo of them and it said you are the top listener, and then it also had like a, a call to action to buy their concert tickets, and it made me feel good because it's like oh wow, this band that I love is recognizing me and they're saying that you are 
yo, thank you for being the top listener. Yeah. And it went a long way as far as personalization, as far as customer experience. And now it strengthened my appreciation for them. And it wasn't even them. It was Spotify. That did yeah. This. So what are your thoughts as far as email personalization and how does that fall into the customer experience world? Because emails can be really impersonal. Like you can just send right off an email and send it off. Like how do you approach that? Because I think it can be done really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the Spotify example is such a good one because at this point we have access to such great data and, you know, we everybody, every company cookies the heck out of everybody. So it's not, it should not be that hard to, you know, connect the dots between how this person has behaved or what they've purchased or what they've listened to. And then the message you should be sending to them, um, in email. And, uh, you know, I think my general stance on email is that, you know, your email inbox is a very personal private space by letting somebody into your inbox. Like you're almost letting them into your home. I mean, think about like the amount of time you spend at home versus the amount of time you spend in your inbox. We all spend a so much time in our inbox. So mm -hmm. inviting someone in, inviting a company into that space um, is actually like a huge compliment and a huge sign of your trust in that company. So when you let somebody in and then they kind of abuse that trust, either by sending you like junk or even just sending you something that's not relevant, it's a little bit like inviting somebody to like a dinner party and then just having that person just do like a diatribe for an hour and dominate the conversation <laughs> yeah. instead of being aware of how everybody else at the dinner party is reacting. Um, and so I guess I feel that way um, sometimes when, you know, I get an email from like a bank, let's say, we won't, we won't name names, but like mm -hmm. you get an email from a bank and it's so, you know, it's so impersonal and it is not adding value to your life, if anything is just detracting from your life, because it's taking you time to open that email that's so impersonal, just like all about them and not really about you. So I guess like those are probably the two tenets that I try to keep in mind when it comes to email is make sure that it's adding value. Don't just like be the person at the dinner party having the diatribe um, and make sure that it's actually personalized to some degree and taking into account, you know, your unique behavior and preferences. So those are two good check boxes. Let's have everybody put those on the computer and say value and personalization. Yep. Nice. I like that. So last year at the Marketing United conference, you spoke about effective email tactics. We'll actually roll the audio right now so that everybody can know exactly what we're talking about. This is sort of my new favorite kind of video because it's um, it's it's a little different than what I've seen before. This has only been becoming a bigger trend over the past um, year or so, um, but the sales video. And the sales video is one that you send to a prospect when they are, you know, at sort of getting very close to a buying decision and you want to help tip them over the edge. You want to give them a little bit more information about why you want them to buy, about the team they'll be working with, or about the product itself. So the example I'm about to share here is from a company called Bamboo HR. They build HR software and they have a pretty big sales team um, that is constantly trying to get prospects on the phone. So this woman, Sarah, she's on the sales team, and she sends this video out to people after she's called them and received uh, their voicemail. Hi, I'm Sarah from Bamboo HR. I've left you a voicemail as well, but I know that sometimes email is easier. I'd love to chat with you about our free HR technology webinar. You can go ahead and email me back or give me a call at 801-889-1269. 
All right. So, so that was a great presentation. If anybody wants to go listen to that, we'll put the link on the blog because this was very useful, but I'd like you to just review the tactics. How was that facilitated? Why did that work? Why did that improve their customer experience? So, I mean, Sarah is a salesperson at Bamboo HR. And like many salespeople, she's constantly calling people and trying to get people to call her back or respond in some way. And more often than not, people do not call back. So she started sending this video in email, basically introducing herself. And I actually got the chance to speak with Sarah. And it was amazing because she saw firsthand that people actually respond differently and respond better when she is sending this video of herself and introducing herself and sort of explaining why she wants to talk. And, you know, even though this video doesn't specifically say like, hi, Todd, you know, still it is personal. She is putting herself out there and, you know, to a certain degree, making herself vulnerable and giving you a little bit of a glimpse of who she is and, you know, what she's about. And I think that level of personalization that she is layering onto her communications just makes for more effective communication. That's why people are actually willing to call her back because they, she's clearly making the effort. Mm -hmm. She's showing a little bit more of who she is instead of just putting this like, you know, one size fits all slapdash email out there. Um, and I think ultimately it ends up making for a better customer experience, not just a better sales experience, because if you actually close and you become a customer of Bamboo HR already, you know, one person, you know what she looks like, you yeah. know what her verbal mannerisms are, mm -hmm. and maybe you end up bumping into her again. Maybe you have some sort of technical issue and you're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to do here, but at least I know Sarah, like I have her phone number yeah, for God's yeah. sake. Like I can even reach out to her directly if I want to. So I think it just ends up making it feel like a deeper relationship instead of like, a pure transaction. And I think the nice part about that is with the video is that she's smiling throughout the entire time. And, and I'm a firm believer that there's two things that are contagious in the world, a, the common cold and a smile. And so <laughs> and so whenever somebody smiles, like you feel obligated, whether it's consciously or subconsciously to smile back. Yeah. Then that just builds the trust. And yeah. So like when I saw that video, I thought to myself, like, yeah, like I trust her. I don't yeah. even know who this person is. And actually I was watching it and this was on a screen, on a screen, within a screen, you know, yeah. and, and I, I loved it. It made me feel good. And that's, that's that ultimate like feel good experience from a customer. Yeah, I agree. So at the end of the day, how do you and the executives at Ovia Health measure customer experience? We've recently started implementing, um, you know, NPS across our entire organization. So I think that's a pretty good indicator and being um, consistent, you know, checking back in with people on a regular basis to see what sort of changes are happening over time is a pretty great way of gauging the experience that people have with you. But in addition to that, I also love and, and really am a, a firm believer in getting really close to your actual customers. So anytime a salesperson ever or like a customer success person ever asks me if I want to join in on a phone call or an in-person meeting, I jump at that opportunity because I want to know like firsthand. I want to understand why did they buy from us in the first place? What has it been like working with us? And I want to see the look on their face. I want to see their body language because oftentimes those things are better indicators than, you know, just a number that somebody submits and in response to an NPS email. For the companies that are out there and they're listening and, and they say, well, you know, I'm too small to create a tailored experience. Either I don't have enough money to create these impressions on each customers. Or I think this one I, I hear a lot is, well, it seems like a lot of work to make sure everybody is happy. 
what would you say to them? How, how would you respond if somebody somebody sat down <laughs> at this meeting and said that, oh, I don't want to do that? Yeah. I, I mean, those first few responses are sort of funny to me. The response of like, I'm too small or I don't have enough money because I actually think those are the times when, you know, you might not have any money. You, you might barely have any people, but if nothing else, you have the ability to be attentive to your customers. Like that takes time. And yeah, time is hard. Um, but you know, above all else, you can at least make sure that you're giving people a great experience. And I've seen some really incredible small companies do great things with customer experience because they do take the time. You know, they they're for better or worse, they have a smaller customer list list. And that makes it a lot easier to actually reach out to those customers and get really deep with what is delightful to them and what is maybe bothering them or what they would like to see change. So um, I think for any company or person who thinks that they are not able to do it because they're too small or, you know, they don't have the money or whatever, challenge yourself. Like spend doing something is better than doing nothing. So even if you're not able to talk to every single customer, try to make it a point to talk to one customer a week or one customer a day or whatever feels tenable to you and then try to build from there. And it might be good with a smaller company because now they can establish the tone and set the precedence for when they grow. Yeah. And that kind of feedback from your customers early on, like early and often, that might change the entire trajectory of a company of the company in a way that you never anticipated. So lastly, I like to finish the episodes with a segment called If I Only Knew, and it's a chance for you personally to, to look back and reflect uh, on how you've implemented customer experience uh, into your job, into your life, and, and what lessons that you could tell yourself earlier on, say, oh, that, that would have helped out big time. Yeah. Uh, so going back to something I mentioned before, I really love to see and love to be part of a marketing team that gets super close to the sales team. I mean, in thinking about the sort of Venn diagram of marketing and sales, part of me almost thinks that they should be like two overlapping circles. Like I, I would love to have marketing involved in every single sale that goes through. And I would like to have marketing involved in every single touch point that the sales team has with a prospect, whether it's like a cold outreach email, if it's a pitch deck they're sharing, if it's the deck that they're actually, you know, using to implement and onboard that customer. Um, like I want, I want marketing to be so deep in everything that the sales team is doing so that we can enable that team to be as successful as possible. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, sales has the, the most incredible wealth of information. And if a marketing team is receptive to it, like that sales team, and a marketing team combo is unstoppable. I mean, I have like such a love affair with sales teams. I, I really think that like marketing works best when it's done really closely to sales and sales works best when it's super close to marketing. Um, and I think that's not something that's necessarily intuitive. I mean, thinking back in my career, there were roles where, you know, I, I barely knew anybody on the sales team. And I look back at that and think like, man, what a missed opportunity. There was so much we could have learned from one another and so many awesome ways that we could have collaborated. So if you're not with your sales team, go grab lunch. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Go grab lunch. Well, Kristen, thanks for coming on the show today. This was a lot of fun. Everybody listening, I'll have all of the links to Ovia Health. Kristen, you can get in contact with her. You can talk customer experience and you can find out everything we discussed on the show on the blog. So Kristen, thanks again for coming. Awesome. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to learn more about customer experience, head over to the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me or give Kristen a shout at kristen at oviahealth.com. 
remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next episode.